Welcome to Podcaster News Show, episode 36. This is the podcast where we round up some recent podcast news items that weren't quite enough on their own for us to cover them on the website. My name is Sean Thorpe, and I'm with... I am Jen Thorpe. And our first item on the list... Uh, why don't you give us the, the title and where that's from, Jen? Okay, so the title of the article we want to talk about is called Take Down or Shake Down Notices, What You Need to Know About DMCA and Podcasts. This is on the Power Press Podcast, which we use a lot because they have a lot of good stuff. And it's written by attorney Barry Krantz, who's the general counsel and CFO of Raw Voice and Blueberry. So this is information from someone that is, in fact, an attorney and knows what they're talking about. Okay. And, uh, be- before we go on, just for the interest of disclosure, I do work in a very part-time capacity with the uh, Blueberry slash Raw Voice support team. So I, I just always like to mention that when we talk about Blueberry stuff. On right. The and and generally news, so. it's me putting it into the show notes because it's true. good information. It just happens to work out that yeah. way. So, I yeah. mean, this is useful information. It doesn't really matter. I mean, it's sure from it a, a person that is an expert, is a you know someone who knows about law and stuff. So I thought this was better than just some random, you know, blog someone put about DCM yeah, or something. Yeah. You know? So this is what it's about. Um, it's talking about if you get a DMCA notice, a Digital Millennial Copyright Act notice, uh, also called a DMCA takedown notice, yeah. okay, from uh, and in reference to your podcast. Now, the first paragraph of this thing mentions, um, you know, what do you do if you find out that someone is using a part or all of your podcast without permission? You know, like they pulled mm-hmm. in a clip from your show for whatever reason into their show without asking you about it first, or they just took your whole entire show and put it somewhere or put it into their show as if it were theirs. You know, what do you do? Um, you know, you can, uh, you know, you could send a notice to the podcast hosting company, you know, a DCMA takedown kind of thing. And there's requirements. Like you can't just randomly throw this out at people, you know? Yeah. (laughs) You have to have, you know, requirements. Um, The requirements are you have to, uh, the requirements are the identification of the alleged offending podcast that took your stuff, um, identification of the offending party so that the offender's hosting company can notify the offending party, okay? So you, you might be, it might be really easy to go, okay, you know, podcast XYZ over there, which I don't even know if, one of those exists, but um, took my stuff. But do you know the offending party's hosting company? You know, that might be a difficult right. thing to find. Um, but I guess you have, that's part of the requirements. And you also have to include a statement attesting that you have a good faith belief that the use of the offending material, meaning the stuff they took, is a violation of your copyright. Okay. And there's also stuff about, um, you know, your, the stuff you state in the DCMA takedown notices has to be accurate and true. You know, otherwise you're, you could be committing a perjury and you have to have an actual signature or an electronic signature of your signature on it. Okay. So that's what you do if somebody else takes your stuff. All right. Yeah. And then it goes on from there. Well, what happens now? Right. Well, the, if you got all that correct um, and, you know, you sent in all the required information, the, uh, you know, XYZ podcasts hosting company would have to tell them, Hey, this podcast episode here, that's got a DCMA takedown and they'll have to remove the offending podcast, you know? Right. Um, so that's how you get it taken down. However, um, the, you know, XYZ podcast hosting company could put it back if 
uh, the offender files a counter notice. Right. So if, you know, XYZ podcast steals your stuff and you send the, you do everything you're supposed to do with the DCMA thing and you send it over. DMCA. DMCA. Sorry, I'm dyslexic and I screw up acronyms. So that's what that's from. Okay. The DMCA takedown notice thing. You're, you're doing everything right. And they lie and say that, you know, they didn't, you know, no, that's, nope, uh uh-uh, I didn't do any of that or whatever. Um, This is going to, this could be a problem, you know, (laughs) like you can do everything right and still not get that taken down. And um, there's a lot in this blog and it's talking about like, okay, well, you have to, you know, it links to another blog about what's fair use and what's not, you know? Yeah. It has to do with the amount of the podcast used, the purpose, the intent, whether the market value of the podcast is affected by the use, all this other stuff. But I thought this was interesting because, first of all, it brings up the you know the point that it is possible that your podcast could be served with a DMCA takedown notice if you included somebody else's audio. Sure, yeah. It's possible. Um, the other thing is if you notice that somebody else has taken your stuff, you could do everything right and still not have it taken down if the other guy decides to lie. You know? Yeah. And that's kind of disturbing. Um, And it goes on from here. You know, you can end up in court and all this stuff. And I'll leave you to read all of the details on the blog because there's quite a bit in here. Um, But I thought this was worth talking about because I don't think most podcasters, myself included, would think about having our stuff taken down, you know, because, uh, you know, we, we borrowed somebody's stuff without asking. Now, I wouldn't borrow somebody's stuff without asking. I think most people listening that have a podcast would know better. But just in case, right? You know, yeah. And I think the the best thing to do because we are talking about legal stuff, and legal stuff is complicated for a lot of reasons. Is just go over and and read the blog and understand what you know your own rights are as far as protecting your own uh, property, your own intellectual property. But then also what your rights are in the event that you get served with a DMCA takedown. Right. Because... It's possible that, you know, you have you to fill out all that stuff. The, you could be... But you could be in the, the the legal right. I mean, just just because you get a takedown doesn't mean that you have to automatically capitulate, take everything down, and, you if know... You, if, if you honestly think you're right, yeah, yeah you can file yeah. a counter thing. But... Um, the other thing is, you know, the people that fill out the DCMA takedown notices DMCA. are uh, DMs. I'm getting, okay. The takedown <laughs> notice. Um, <laughs> that's that's a better. I'm term sorry. To I'm trying to get around my dyslexia. It's not working today. Um, all right. So if you get a takedown notice, um, the presumption is the person that filled it out is telling the truth, and they may not be. Yes. True. Yeah. You know, they may be risking a perjury or whatever it was that was said earlier, but. Um, it's kind of complex, and this isn't the type of thing that you hear about when you read the types of blogs that are like, here's how you start your podcast, and here's no. how you do your podcast. You know, this is not mentioned because it's, I don't think it's something most people have to deal with, you know? Yeah. But you could. So we have this blog here, and we'll put the link in the show notes that you can read and check out and learn from. Yeah. And our next item. It's funny how sometimes we'll get a batch of these and they kind of all run along the same, you know, uh, the the same theme, I guess. But uh, this next one is called, When Will YouTube Deal With Its Audiobook and Podcast Piracy Problem? This was written by Ryan Holiday on Observer. And I'll admit that I didn't know until I read this that what he's describing here 
it really talks a lot more about audiobooks because uh, this this author well, he's an author has and... an audiobook and he discovered that it had been uploaded without his permission the entire book to YouTube and that it had garnered about a th- about a third I think he said he th- there's a number in the article of how many copies of the book had sold and that by well, the time I think he, I found the number okay go ahead. It says one video for his book uh, that was released in 2014 had more than 16,000 listens, uh-huh. and that was a video, okay? Right. And he said he continued with, it might not seem like a ton, but the book had sold almost 50,000 copies in audio, an additional yeah. 30% of that figure pirated it through so, a single video. Right. So that gives you an idea of what kind of numbers, I guess, can happen, and you don't really think about it. And he does mention in the article that, you know, this is happening to podcasts as well. He specifically talked about the Joe Rogan show, though I'm sure if you wanted to mine the depths of YouTube, you'd probably find plenty of other podcasts, popular or otherwise, that have been uploaded to YouTube. So it's one of those things that, I guess now that we have some awareness of it, if you yourself as a podcaster are concerned, you might want to look around and see if any of your shows are there and if you care or not. I know a lot of podcasters, and the the writer mentions this, that a lot of podcasters just give their shows away for free anyway. Right. So it's not necessarily as harmful, but... But there are situations where they're not for free, and he mentions that... That's true um, as well. In, in this, uh, in this uh, the, article... The Dan Carlin. Right, the Dan Carlin show. Um, yeah. He says that... Uh, you know, there's you can find an episode from Dan Carlin's popular hardcore history that has nearly 10,000 views. And one user remarked in the comments that you actually have to pay for it on Dan's website. Yeah. So someone took something that was not free with and took it without permission and reposted it without permission. So what's happening here is those 10,000 views, those 10,000 people, they got it for free content that was intended to be sold. Yeah. You know? So that's really just not right to do at all um, to people to take their content and in doing so take away their ability to make money from their content. And one of the things that he mentioned in there is that, of course, uh, YouTube has this very robust content ID system. So if you decide to post you know, an entire season of The Walking Dead on YouTube, it's going to immediately get flagged. Or in a, or if you you know decide to post the entire uh, Pink Floyd discography on YouTube, uh, it's going to immediately get flagged, and the rights holders are going to be notified, and then they have the option to either have that removed or they can run ads against it and monetize it, so that they do get money from the thing so that you they stole. make something, yeah, or some guys and or whatever. You know that's great in theory if your content is protected by content id but it's another one of those things where you know most small publishers or producers you know are aren't going to be able to get into content id to to automatically gain those protections so he goes through the process of you know how he put in a takedown request and that eventually within a few days it was taken down and that, you know, he discovered at some point in the future that it had been added again. So, 
She's got to go through the whole thing again. It's a never-ending game of whack-a-mole if you're worried about protecting that. And, and there are a lot of podcasters that do premium content. So even if uh, you're listening to this and you go, well, I don't have an audiobook or a TV show, I don't care, but I do provide premium content, it might be worth doing a search of, of YouTube and see... If, if someone has stolen created. your content and yeah. offered it for free and, you know, just uh, removed your ability to make money on your content. Yeah. In doing so. I don't know why people do this. It seems incredibly selfish to do that to somebody else's content, but apparently there's lots of people that do yeah. it. Yeah. You know, I I really am of a couple different minds on this because there's... The, there, there's the Cory Doctorow school that says once something is digital, it's going to be stolen. So you can't do anything about it. You just have to live with it. And in fact, in, in the article, uh, Ryan Holiday talks about how there have been a couple authors who have intentionally given their work away for free and found that it actually created a spike in sales. But it's different. That's talking about books, though. It's different you when know? you give the content away for free and then someone goes and redistributes it for you as opposed to, hey, this is supposed to be behind some kind of a, a, a paywall or subscription service, and now you're actually, you know, committing piracies so. right yeah and the other thing to think about and i don't think this was mentioned in the article but i just thought about this right now there's a lot of uh there's been a lot of talk about um advertisement on podcasts and the number of downloads you have and things of that nature well if your podcast that you give for free that is in premium content is getting you know x number of downloads through say itunes or whatever it you know and that's the information that maybe an advertiser is getting that's not you know taken into account that's how right. many you know listens it got on the youtube video that someone without your permission posted you know yeah. of your content so how do you like how does that work it's like it's they are i think even if your um your content is freely given you're still losing out because you've got all these listeners that aren't tracked in the same way you know yeah. For sure. And that counts against you. Okay, well, uh, speaking of tracking downloads, our next article here is called Tracking Metrics Expected to Improve as Podcasts Grow. This is by April Simpson on Current. And we're a little behind the, the times because just yesterday some new information was released by the IAB with regards to helping to formulate kind of a standard for tracking podcast downloads. So and perhaps this uh, article is a bit ahead of its time well, then because it was well, before that. I, I have, I kind of have another thought, and, and you're right, I mean, this article is a few weeks old. Right. But I have another thought about it too as I was reading it, which is there really has been, there has been an agenda that's been put forth in the last six months to a year with different organizations trying to get this message out that podcasting writ large has a problem with metrics and really you know that just isn't true because there have been a number of companies that that decided on 
you know, what the standards would be for tracking podcast downloads. And those standards have been in place for years. It's just that the, the companies that are complaining and trying to get this message out there that, you know, there's a problem with podcast metrics aren't the ones that wrote those rules and they want different rules. And usually it's because their rules allow them to count more downloads. So you just have to take a lot of these articles, in my opinion, with a grain of salt, depending on where they're coming from. And as I stated, you know, the, the rules just came out from IAB and, and this article is written before that. So, so I it, mean, in a way they're right, you know? Yeah. But I, I just wanted to, to kind of throw that out there one more time that, you know, anytime you see some article out there, wh- wherever it is, and it's, it's talking about problems with, you know, podcast metrics, see who it's written, see who they cite, and then follow the money backward. And if it's not, you know, if they're not talking to, you know, Blueberry, Libsyn, Podtrack, or, you know, another kind of established company that's been doing podcast stats for a long time, then, you know, they've probably got an agenda they're trying to, to put forth. Oh. Yeah, it's good to know. What what's next on the list? Jen? Okay, so the next one is titled "Running is the Perfect Time for Podcasts," which is kind of a strange title at first glance. It's written by Carolee Belkin Walker for Trib Live, and basically the main concept here is talking about if you're going running, uh, you know, a lot of people listen to music, but you could also listen to podcasts. Okay. And we've talked about like people, you know, on the go listening to stuff and all of this. But the interesting thing here is um, how running, what running does to the body that kind of helps you to think more clearly, I guess. Okay. Um, you know, which wasn't touched on any of those other articles about like binge listening or anything oh, sure, like that, yeah. you know. Um, and it says that, you know, when you're, you know, your, your body is naturally built to run. Most humans can just run. You know, it's kind of normal. Um, it's different than if you're learning to swim or learning to skate or something that's not intrinsic, you know, <laughs> right? Um, so once you're, you're a runner and you do, you know, you do this kind of on a regular basis, um, your, uh, you know, your, your body is doing something that it doesn't take a lot of like mental thought to do. Yeah. You know? And you're also getting um, dopamine, serotonin, all this good stuff in your bloodstream as you're running. And this all together um, seems to open people up to be more able to grasp new concepts that are brought to them and to think about it as they're running and later on, you know, because you have all this like your, your body's running. It doesn't take a lot of thought for that. You have all this cognitive headspace available, you know, where you can you can do this. So. The concept in this one seems to be that if you want to be doubly productive, go for your run and listen to a podcast that teaches you something that okay. you happen to want to learn. Makes sense. You know, so, you know, you're learning about, um, I don't know, you're listening to a business book and you're a business major or something like that or, you know, stuff like this. And, you know, you're you're running you're focusing on this uh, thing you're listening to, this podcast you're listening to that's teaching you something you want to know. And so you're you're being very productive. You're getting your workout in and you're also learning something. And it, it has to do with running specifically and not like swimming or something like that um, yeah. or, you know, skating um, because of in just how the body works and all of this, 
it doesn't take a lot of thought to run. It doesn't need a sure. lot of, you know, brain work to get your body to run. So you have room for all this cognitive thought. And I thought that was kind of a different way of uh, looking at it, you know? Mm -hmm. And the other thing they're talking about in here um, is that it's also a chance to practice mindfulness, which hmm. they're kind of describing, and I'm kind of paraphrasing this here, but the idea is sort of uh, you're running and you're listening to a podcast that's teaching you something. So you're thinking about that something. You're not using the time you're running to worry about things that worry you okay. or, you know, to yeah. that kind of thing. Think about all the things you still have to get done or whatever mm -hmm. you're working on tomorrow or that kind of thing. It kind of puts you like right in that moment. Yeah. So that, I thought that was interesting. I've never seen a podcast presented in this way before. Yeah, me either. I mean, I'm not a runner, but I do often listen to podcasts while I'm uh, going for walks or doing a lot of things where, again, it doesn't really require a lot of my, I don't know, active brain cells. Mm -hmm. So it's easy to kind of absorb uh, information coming in through my ears. Now, I don't listen necessarily to a lot of podcasts that are there specifically to teach you something like a, a course or something like that. But I know that I've certainly absorbed a lot that way. And I've discovered for myself that I tend to do better with podcasts that are more conversational in nature. So like what we're doing. All right. I tried listening to one of the newer uh, popular narrative style podcasts, as they're called. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it couldn't hold my attention. Now, some of that I'm sure was because of the fact that I was out, I was doing things, I was riding a bus, I was going places. Right. And you weren't running, which but, you know, this is about Yeah, but, yeah. Yeah. But but um I just discovered while I was doing that that, you know, for me the way that I consume audio, I can listen and and uh kind of maintain my focus and enjoy it when it's more of a conversational style than a very super produced uh, highly edited podcast. So right. Well, I mean, it could be you could listen to something that's not presented as like a course, like a college course yeah, that sure. is conversational and that teaches you something that's possible too. And the other thing in this article that they do note is that you know you have to think about safety as well because yeah. if you're if you're running somewhere, you have your headphones in, you're listening to a podcast, you're not going to be as focused on what's going on around you. So yeah. keep that in mind. You know. Like, uh, you know, running down the bike path in the middle of the night might not be the best time uh, to listen to a podcast yeah, yeah. as opposed to like, I don't know, running on a track at your, uh, at your college's athletic center or, you know, at the YMCA or something indoors with lots of light, you know? Yeah. I mean, th keep that in mind as well, but I don't know. It was just, it was a unique way of looking at, um, when, you know, a good time to listen to a podcast would be, you know? Yeah. All right, Jen. Well, uh, because it's, uh, you know, I, I thought, I, I would not have thought that a, uh article title could exceed our first one from Blueberry, but this one actually does. So I'm going to ask you to, to give us the title of this last one. Okay. The title of the last article we're going to talk about in this episode is this. Love of Wrestling leads Jason Bryant from... Pakusan, is that how you say uh, it? Pakusan. Pakusan, P-O-Q-U-O-S-O-N, to public address announcer at Rio Olympics. And this was by Mary O'Brien for Daily Press. 
And I just wanted Sorry, Marty to... Marty O'Brien, not Mary. Really? Yeah. Oh, I had okay. to look at that twice. I'm like, there's a photo here that doesn't look like a Mary. Oh, it's a Marty. So it's Marty oh. O'Brien for Daily Press. Okay. Well, I was going off the do- our document, which apparently I mistyped. So. Okay. Well, we've corrected it. So there we I- go. Indeed. And I just wanted to include this. It's, again, maybe a little outdated because it's talking about you know, Jason Bryant uh, being a public address announcer for the wrestling matches at the recent Olympics in Rio de Janeiro, which, of course, are over. But I did just want to include it here in case maybe our listeners hadn't heard this, but uh, Jason is a, a longtime podcaster. He's the founder of the Matt Talk Online Podcast Network, which is, all, which is devoted to you know, competitive and collegiate wrestling, not the stuff that's on TV at, you know, Tuesday night at eight o'clock or whatever. With all the flashy costumes uh, and yeah, soliloquies. Yeah, there's nobody, and, you know. to, to, the best, to the best of my ability uh, or to the best of my, my guessing, the, the matches that Jason covers, you know, nobody is uh, brought down from, you know, the rafters on, uh, on, on ropes. And, you know, and I don't think of, people come in with the music, into you know, the, right. Exactly. Kind of exactly. It's so like it's the not real wrestling, wrestling you yes. know, the, the Olympic wrestling is, um, and what I, what I really I, liked uh, about this article and really about Jason's story in general is it's a really nice profile on him really going back to his high school days when he first discovered he had an interest in this type of, uh, activity, you know, being a, uh, an announcer for for wrestling matches, and you know he's just stuck with that his whole life, and and he's had you know lots of success and accolades and stuff like that, and he founded his own podcasting network, which, if I'm not mistaken, is responsible for uh, at least some, if not all, of his you know professional income, what he earns a living off of, which is fantastic. So I I just wanted to to highlight that article because I like it when I see somebody who's getting some coverage in podcasting, you know, who's not from the NPR WNYC bubble. And it's, you know, it's a real success story for, for him as a podcaster and, you know, as a person and, and, and everything. And, uh, you know, that's, that's really about it. Well, it's, it's kind of neat, you know, that they did use someone that's been literally podcasting and announcing about wrestling to announce mm-hmm. the wrestling at the uh, the Olympics. And yeah. um, it says in here that uh, he was going to, and I'm assuming has done, uh, the, the announcement for men's, women's, and Greco-Roman matches in Rio from August 14 to 21. Now, I know yeah. all of us on social media saw a ton of information about the Olympics when it was going on. But I bet you can't think of any that you saw f- about wrestling. Yeah. I, and I can think of one. Okay. There was a woman that had won uh, a medal. I don't remember what medal. I don't remember what country she was from. But to celebrate, she like tackled her coach. Okay. And I remember that. And that's it. So it, even if you were paying attention to the Olympics, you might not have realized that there was there's a podcaster who's been involved with wrestling for a very long time that yeah. was actually announcing some of that. Yeah, and I do actually follow Jason on Twitter, and he did this pretty funny thing where he was trying to uh, get in all these different opportunities to uh, video bomb uh, Ryan Seacrest, who was apparently there on behalf of NBC 
doing some sort of like uh, interstitial things where if they were in between uh, events and stuff. Okay. So he w- he would try and find where they were broadcasting from. Uh, Jason would, and he would try to get up uh, to the front behind. So you know the the camera was was facing towards uh, Ryan Seacrest and whomever he was sitting with. He was usually sitting with at least one other person. And then you know there was just an open area behind them. There was a little uh, gate or a fence there, and then there was just an open area behind them. So he was always trying to any, any chance he got, he was always trying to get into the video shot with. Oh, Ryan Seacrest, and he posted uh, posted some of those photos to Twitter. So that's funny. I think you had a good time down there. Yeah. All right, Jen. Will you have anything else for the show? I think that's about it for now. I'm sure we'll find more stuff to talk about next time. All right. Well, thank you for listening, and I do want to just put in a a quick apology to our subscribers since we didn't publish any episodes in uh, August. It was just kind of a weird month. And we've mostly recovered from the weirdness. Right. To, well, to I mean, to be clear, out, we had so. some uh, some gear upgrades going on, and it was to be just, taken apart and put back together, and uh, you know, you that know, was some of it. It was it was busy with life things, and I'm sure most of the podcast. I'm sure most people who listen to this are podcasters, and most of them have experienced that at least once. So. Uh, we do want to thank you for continuing to listen. And we're back on track now. And uh, you can find us online at podcasternews.com. You can find me on Twitter at Shano, S-H-A-W-N-O. Jen? I'm on Twitter at Queen of Haiku, all one word. And it is a private account. So if you want to follow me or have me follow you, you need to send one of those little follower request things. And if I can figure out that, you know, you know me from this show and you like the show, then of course... I'll accept it. All right. Then uh, with that uh, and any luck, we'll be back with you in a couple of weeks. Bye, people.